Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Come on, church. Can we lift up the name of Jesus in this place? Man, I'm happy to be alive. Anybody happy to be alive in 2019? Praise God. Man, uh, some, sometimes I invite people to church and they'll ask me weird questions in response. And one time I invited somebody to church and they say, hey, yeah, I go to your church, but is it one of those happy, clappy churches? And I was like, man, yeah, man, we're happy and we clap a lot. And then I left and, and then I thought of, what I should have said. Anybody always think about what you should have said after the opportunity has passed? You're like, oh, that is so good. That would land and expand. And I would, okay. Is that one of those happy clappy churches? Here's how I should have responded. Well, I'd rather be happy clappy than sappy crappy. This is one of them happy, clappy churches because we're happy because of what Jesus did in our lives. Amen? Amen. I have a message that I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited to to share with you, and I believe that you're going to leave here encouraged. I don't know how you came in. I don't know what you're dealing with in your home, in your life, and I don't know what's pulling you down, but what I do know is he is faithful. He's never failed you, and he won't start now. Amen? Amen. Touch the person next to you and tell them, I got a feeling that today is your day. Now touch your neighbor who was your second choice and tell them you have a cute smile. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. And God, we ask that you would show up in these moments and do what only you can do. God, it's not my words. It's not articulation of speech, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can lift people's hearts, that can pull people from death to life. God, we believe it. And God, we thank you for the people at the end of this service who are going to make the decision to follow Jesus. God, we love you and we bless you. And we open ourselves up to what you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Did anybody grow up in the 90s? Any 90s babies? Woo! Man, 90s life was a good life. I'll tell you, anybody remember the year 1999? I was seven years old in the second grade, and that was a year of transition in my life. Uh, I was moving from Texas to the Kansas City, Missouri area, and I found very quickly that Kansas City is a little bit colder than Texas. And you know what? Before I continue, I have a whole lot of respect for you. Why? Because it's freaking cold, and you're here. You know what? I'm not, I don't know if this is in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure you get extra treasure in heaven when you come to church on a cold day in Texas. Regardless, age seven, and uh, something that we were doing was going to the roller rink. And I was going to meet my new class at the roller rink, B&J Skate Center, so it was called. And I walk into B&J Skate Center and... 
And you guys remember well, you smell the popcorn, the butter fills your nostrils. All of a sudden your eyes get wide and then all of a sudden the music starts to play in the skate rink as everyone's skating around. The door opens and you hear 1999. Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. My 90s babies, I know you. Bye, bye, bye. 1999. So I was thrilled and I was excited and I was elated to make my first friends. And I, my parents were there, they came with me and and uh, and this was one of the times off. Anyone ever been dropped off at uh, a skate center? You know well, what happens is when you were dropped off in those days, you would get some quarters. You would get some quarters, but these weren't just any quarters. These were payphone quarters. But I like to use my payphone quarters on some duck hunt. Anybody remember some duck hunt? Street Fighter was too expensive. I could play duck hunt twice. B and J Skate Center. And mom and dad were there, and, and I said, hey, um, mom, you know, like, well, you know, I'm kind of nervous to meet friends, and, and I kind of was, and I kind of had a little anxiety in me, my little seven-year-old self, and, and he said, well, we, we just hit it off with this couple, and brought me over, and, and said, uh, uh, the parents said, hey, well, our son's name is Tim. I was like, oh, cool. He's, like, He's a little bit older than you, and, and I feel like you guys would get along great. And then mom was like, all right, go, there he is. There's Tim right there skating around. Tim was just, boom, thrashing through the entire skate center. And I was like, oh, wow, he skates really fast. And, uh, and so I put on my, my, my roller blades, because I was a blader, not a skater, uh, tour blades. And, uh, and so I go out, and I, I'm an amateur, and, and I'm, I start skating around, and I'm trying to catch and trying to snag Tim. And... Uh, after 10, 15 minutes go by, I can't seem to keep up with him. Hey, buddy, hey! And he skates on by. I skate around the corner, hey! And then I kind of really go really slow, expecting him to pass me again. Hey, uh! And he skates on by, and then I'm like, oh, discouraged. I'm like, and I go to mom, and I'm like, hey, mom, uh, Tim, I can't catch Tim to, to skate with me. And, and I was like, maybe we should just go home, ma. Like, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'm ready to meet new friends. And, and mom says, hey, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just tag him and ask him if he'll skate with you. It's like, oh, Mom, I don't know. That's kind of embarrassing. He's like, no, that's okay. That's how you make friends. In order to make a friend, you must first be a friend. And so I was like, okay, well, so I skate out and I trust my mama, right? She's not failed me yet uh, very much, but um, <laughs> so, I, so I see Tim and he is by the entry of the skating rink. And I see, this is my chance. I, I roll over to, to, to Tim. I say, hey, hey, Tim. He goes, who are you? I say, I'm Preston. Uh, nice to meet you. He said, nice to meet you. And I was like, and he's about to skate off. I was like, wait, buddy. Hey, um, I, I'm new in town, and I just want to make a, a new friend. And, and I was wondering if you'd skate with me. And he turned back and looked at me, and he goes, you can skate with me if you can keep up. Phew, and skated away. With roller skates, and I had blades. I'm like, how? Now, and I, I tried to keep up with Tim, and I was, I was blading, and I was going as fast as I can, and then I was turning a corner, and then all of a sudden, uh, I, my foot came out from under, and I slipped, and I ran to the wall. 
And then I was frustrated. And I was like, I just want a friend. I just want a friend. And then I, and then I tried to go, oh, I'm going to try one more time. Tim, Tim. And I, and I thought I was keeping up and thought I was going faster. Then he noticed me from behind. And I started skating a little bit faster. And then all of a sudden, I was taking the turn too sharply. And then I ran into the wall. I fell on my Boba Fett. And I was like discouraged. Oh, my word. And so what I did in that moment was... I got off my bow fet and bladed all over to the to the exit and went and sat down on the bench and man I just felt I felt down I felt defeated and and I sat there for about ten minutes and mom comes over you know as a good mom does and says hey hey baby I was like hey mom hey baby um Pablocito um uh, why aren't you skating with your friends and she says well I said well. I, I don't know. I might. I guess you know my feet are just hurting, and my feet hurt real bad. And I think I'm just. I'm done. I'm done for the day. She's like, "Well, you got 45 minutes to an hour left. Why don't you just get back out there and have some fun?" Uh, I was like, "No, mom. I just my feet hurt too bad, and I think I think I'm done." And what I exclaimed was hurting was my feet, <laughs> but what was really hurting was my feelings. And what I was doing. What I realized now was sabotaging myself so that I wouldn't feel pain or hurt again. I felt rejected. I felt not worthy to rollerblade with him. And so I just went ahead and threw in the towel and sabotaged. And I want to ask you in life, how often do you sabotage yourself? Because what if the greatest enemy in your life is you. What if it's not the devil blocking doors? What if it's not your boss getting in the way? What if the greatest enemy of you is you? We self-sabotage. There's three reasons why we self-sabotage, which is we ask ourselves whenever we feel in this state, these three questions. Number one, we ask ourselves, man, I'm Am I enough? Am I cut out for this? And if we're always asking if we're enough, if we're cut out for this, then we're so caught up questioning ourselves, we can't even be in the moment that we're in. Next thing we ask is, am I, am I broken? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm the right person, but am I broken? Am I already messed up? And if we feel like we're broken, our focus is going to be on how broken we are and not how we can contribute to the room, the environment, and where God's placed us. And the question number three that we ask ourselves before we self-sabotage is, am I in the right place? Do I even belong here? And if we ask that long enough, we'll question everybody around us. We'll never give to the full extent that we are called to give. What happens when we self-sabotage is we eventually become what I like to call a Charlie Brown Christian. Anybody watch some Charlie Brown growing up? Yeah, dad watched some Charlie Brown. Then he showed me Charlie Brown, and I was like, dad, I don't like this show. It's negative. Charlie Brown's Christmas tree stinks. Now, now I want to read to you some Charlie Brown quotes, and there are some of you maybe who weren't in the Charlie Brown era, and this is the type of thing Charlie Brown says. He says, sometimes I lie awake at night, and I ask, Where have I gone wrong? Then a voice says to me, 
this is going to take more time than one night. Charlie Brown, quote number two. I think I'm afraid of being happy because whenever I get too happy, something always happens. Charlie Brown Christian. Number three, no problem is, bit, is too big or complicated that it can't be turned, to, turned away to run from. Charlie Brown Christian. All right, we'll do one more. Lucy says, do you think you have pantophobia? Charlie Brown. Charlie says, I don't know. What is pantophobia? Lucy says, the fear of everything. <laughs> Charlie Brown Christian. is when we get in that state, we, we self-sabotage. And everything that's great on the outside, all we can see is through this filter of Charlie Brownness, self-sabotage. I think Charlie Brown sabotaged his life more than anybody else did. So I want to ask you the question, how do you self-sabotage? If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 24, verse 28. Luke chapter 24. Do you have your Bibles? If you have your Bible, will you raise it in the air like you just do care? Fantastic. And some of your Bibles are glowing. That's cool. Must be super holy. And if you don't have your Bible, you know, as, uh, as a pastor, um, all you have to do is roll over to your uh, local Christian bookstore and you can go ahead and snag one and steal it because it's a biblical relic. But if you get caught, just tell them you're Tim Woody's your pastor, not Preston. <laughs> just kidding. Luke chapter 24 verse 28. And we find this setting, which is three days after the death and burial of Jesus Christ. The entire world had literally, be, literally been flipped upside down. And there are these two men walking down the road from Jerusalem. These are two men who have been a part of the movement, been a part of everything that was happening with Jesus and the miracles. And all of a sudden, their leader, who was to lead them out of where they were and get them to where they were supposed to be, is now dead. Now, what I thought was supposed to happen isn't happening. And now these guys have three days in are leaving Jerusalem with the hub of the ministry and now heading to Emmaus, a seven mile journey. And on this seven mile journey, these guys meet this stranger, the stranger. He, he comes up and starts walking along with them to them. It's a stranger, but in reality, who's walking with them is Jesus this is, is an incredible moment. And this, why this is so important. This is the first revelation of Jesus after his resurrection. And these guys are talking about what's happened recently and, and how there were these two ladies who ran to the tomb and all of a sudden saw that, that the tomb was empty and that this angel was saying that Jesus has risen, but no one's really seen him. So how can we even believe? So uh, since we haven't seen it, we're just going to go ahead and head home because this ministry is broken. Like, we're done. But yet, they're on this road. Jesus intersects them, having a conversation about Jesus. Now, they're talking, and Jesus walks up, the stranger, and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? Where are you guys going? He says, well, we're coming from Jerusalem. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I can see that. But, uh, I mean, what are you guys talking about? They say, have you not heard? about the miraculous, crazy things that have happened in Jerusalem. This, and then Jesus says, 
no, what happened? And then they began to explain there were miracles and signs in Jesus. And we started this movement. We left our families behind and, and we, we came to just be a part of this giant movement of Jesus, the, the Savior who's supposed to save us from oppression from Rome and, and give ourselves and our families a new life and a new future. And then he died. Jesus says, really? He says, yeah, that really happened. And he, he, he's dead? Yeah, he's dead. But then these, these ladies are saying that he's risen, but we haven't seen him, so we're heading home and we're done. And Jesus meets him in this moment. These two guys, and so he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 28, and it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going a little farther. But they urged him strongly these guys are saying, Jesus, or not Jesus, but stranger, stay with us, right? He is Jesus, but they just know he's a stranger. For it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So Jesus went and stayed with them. Jesus was going to walk on, but yet they stopped him in his tracks and said, Jesus, stay with us. And they invited him in. Isn't it interesting? Jesus isn't going to come where he's not invited. I wonder if Jesus is invited along with you on your journey. Verse 30, he says, when he was at the table with him, he took the bread. I got this big old bread right here. Check it out. He took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Something miraculous happened in this moment. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? How did we miss that? And then they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. When they encountered Jesus, they went back to Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting how whenever we have an encounter with Jesus, we always go back to where we were supposed to be all along? Yeah. Hey, we head back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those with them and they assembled them together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized, scripture says, when he broke the bread. We, we recognized him. Not during, not during his preaching, not during his talking about fulfillment of prophecies, not during the walk, but we didn't recognize him until he broke the bread. Jesus breaks the bread and reveals himself, which is to say Jesus oftentimes reveals himself best in brokenness. Jesus likes to reveal himself in your life in brokenness. And there are times in my life, and I know there's times in your life where we feel broken, but yet we don't feel very spiritual about it, do we? When we feel broken, that's the time in the least where we want to come up, up to church, be on the front row, smile and lift our hands. That's the time in the least when we want to serve. That's the time in the least that we want to get up and compliment somebody and hold the door. But that's the time when God is doing his work the most in brokenness. What if brokenness is a little more spiritual than we think it is? I mean, there are times and seasons in our life where our brokenness is the cause of something that we did. But I think sometimes, while we're in the hands of God, he allows brokenness. Maybe not to punish us, but rather to promote us. Talking about brokenness. 
brokenness. So Jesus, he took the bread. He blessed it. Then he broke it. And then he gave it. Isn't it what Jesus did when he fed the 5,000? What did he do? He took it. He blessed it. Broke it. Gave it. Boom, miracles. Isn't that what he did at the Last Supper? What did he do? He, t- he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it. Isn't that what God did with Joseph? He took him from the comfort of his home into slavery. But yet, God blessed him in the house of Potiphar and promoted him where he didn't deserve to be. But yet he broke him and sent him to prison. Not because of something he did wrong, but because of something he did right. But then after a little while, he gave him as a prince of Egypt and used him to save the lives of nations. Isn't that what God did with Moses? He took him and saved him from certain death against the sword of Pharaoh. And then he blessed him. Where did he bless him? In the house of Pharaoh. And then he broke him after he'd been groomed up for 40 years as a prince, 40 years in the wilderness, wandering and wondering, am I used up? Is this it? But then after a moment, he gave him to deliver thousands of slaves. And used him to lead and deliver the law. Now, isn't that what God did with Peter? God took this guy from a dead-end job. What did he do next? He blessed him and said, you are Peter. You have a new name. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. But yet he broke him on the night. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then what happens next? Just a few days later, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And a few days later, he is preaching and he is given authority and power from on high to see 3,000 people saved. Isn't it what God did with Jesus? His own son, who was taken from certain death against the Egyptians as a baby, blessed with power and authority from on high to do miracles, to raise the dead, and broken on a hill called Calvary and given as the Savior of the world. What if there's a process to the breaking of the bread? I wonder what process that you're in today. I wonder what stage of the process that you're in. Being taken, being blessed, being broken and being given. I feel like the stage that I dislike the most, the stage that makes me the most uncomfortable, the stage that feels the least bit of uh, spirituality goes with it is often the broken stage because when we're broken, we feel like maybe God isn't using me. Maybe this is the wrong direction. Maybe, maybe I messed up. I'm here to tell somebody today who feels like you're all used up. You feel like God's done with you. 
Maybe you feel like you missed your chance. Maybe you feel like God still has a future ahead of you, but it can't be to the degree that it once was because of what happened in your past. And I'm here to tell you and declare to you, because Jesus was revealed in brokenness, there is beauty in your brokenness. There is beauty in your brokenness. How do I know that? Jesus didn't die for you as a gifted version of yourself. He died for you when you were broken. While we were still sinners, Christ died. There's beauty in your brokenness. Now, I'll never forget. One year, I went an entire year without crying. Yeah, literally, I went an entire year without crying. And uh, and, and then, uh, the next year, I met my wife. (laughs) I met Dakota. And... Oh, and I'll, I'll never forget September 23rd, 2018. Back in the room with my dad and talking to him. And, and, uh, and I was like, Dad, I, he's like, what do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is crazy. And uh, he's like, no, just try and describe it to me. I'm like, I don't know. What am I supposed to feel? Like, I feel like, ah. Like, you feel like, oh. I was like, yeah, that's all I feel. Ah. I don't even know what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say when I get out there. And then those doors, the door opened for me to walk in, and, and Dad escorts me to the front, and all of a sudden I see my friends and family, and all of a sudden, and the, the emotions that I was trying to pick apart and, and figure out, all of a sudden was just replaced with this heavy emotion in a sense of brokenness. And then finally, when those doors swung open, (laughs) dad looks at me and I'm like, it's just allergies, dad. (laughs) All of a sudden, tears begin to stream down my face. Not because, (laughs) because of just the emotion of the moment, but I knew that in order to receive this gift, I had to have first been broken. And God took a broken Preston and he gave him a beautiful wife, the love of his life, to be on mission to build the local church of Jesus Christ. There's beauty in your brokenness. You may not understand it now, but I'll tell you what, there's a time coming. And right after the brokenness comes the giving time. Here's what's interesting. So God, Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it. Probably breaks a little better than I do. And then he gives it. He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he gives it. He breaks it. Then he gives it. What's significant about that? God does not give bread that has yet to be broken. Maybe God first needs to break you before he can give you as the person that you are called and ordained and anointed to be. Maybe you're not broken because God's left you, but maybe he's just preparing you. Is he taking you? Is he blessing you in this season? Is he breaking you? Is this the season that God's to give you? I'll never forget. Dad talks to me about it all the time and he tells me this story, and when I was little, maybe two, three years old, man, there was just something about 
being held by dad. Something that just felt close and being in his hands. And, and every time life would get a little crazy, every time I was hungry for a stinking snack, Every time someone took my toy away, I knew where I could go, and I knew I could go to Dad. And I'd walk up to Dad, and Dad tells me all the time, and he says, and this is what you would say. He goes, Daddy, I want to hold you. I say, Daddy, I want to hold you. And, uh, you know, I was a three-year-old getting a hold of Tim Woody. (laughs) Daddy, I want to hold you. And Dad would lean down wrap his hands around me and pick me up. And he'd hold me tight. And after about 45 seconds, I'd feel much better about life. And then I'd get down and go off and do my thing. And maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two hours, maybe it's a day later. I'm back, Daddy, I just want to hold you. I want to hold you. And my perspective is I just, I just know that he, I was saying I want to hold you because I would always hear them. Do you want me to hold you? And I'm thinking I want to hold you. And I'm saying, Dad, I want to hold you. But what's interesting is I can't hold my dad. My dad has to hold me. I'm here to tell you, you are never holding anything together. But when you are picked up in the hands of Christ Jesus, our Lord, he took you from where you were and got you to where you were supposed to be. It's in his hands. It's in his hands. And what's interesting about the order of the breaking of the bread, he, he takes you, blesses you, breaks you, gives you. The whole time, you've never left his hands. Even in the breaking, even in the blessing, even in the taking. The whole time, you've never left his hands. And I'm here to declare to you, you've never left his hands. He's got you. If you have declared with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, he's got you right here. Waves can come and trials can uh, come your way, but I'm here to tell you, he never left his hands. So why self-sabotage? Why jump out of the pattern he's placed you in? Because he's breaking you, because he wants to give you. And I'm here to declare to you and reveal to you, there's some stuff you've needed to learn in your brokenness that somebody needs in your season of giftedness. God's got to give some things that you don't realize that you have until you've first been broken. Will you stand with me, church? And Jesus Christ, bruised for our transgressions, broken for our iniquities. This is the act and holy sacrament of communion. Jesus says to his disciples before he departs this earth, one of the final instructions is that he says, communion, the setting, the breaking of the bread, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Communion isn't just a religious act It's something that we do to remind ourselves that God uses to remind us that we've been in his hands the entire time. Church, would you close your eyes for a moment of concentration and privacy? Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus. 
Maybe you're in a season and a space of self-sabotage. Every time you start making a little progress, you start to fear the future and you sabotage yourself. Maybe and you're, a, you're afraid of this brokenness and you're, you're tired of brokenness. And you need to say, Pastor, I, I just need this courage to stand a little longer, to dig a little deeper and embrace this brokenness. And if that's you, and you've been, you're in a season of brokenness, I want to pray for you before I give an opportunity for people to become followers of Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand, say, press, I'm in a season of brokenness, and I want, I want some prayer right now. Hands going up, thank you, thank you, who else? Thank you, who else? You can put it straight back down. Thank you, who else? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. God, we believe and acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. But since we are not without you, we have everything that we need in this life. So God, I pray for those who are broken, discouraged, marginalized, dealing with sickness and frailty. God, I speak life in the name and the power of Almighty God. God, I pray that you would remind them that through trials and tribulations that they have never left your hand and that you are going to take them to where they are supposed to be. God, we thank you for your grace and we choose to walk in it and I speak life in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed and for a moment, if you're here today and you say, Preston, I want to receive this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I'm ready to turn from my past to my self-sabotage and embrace the future that he has for me. If that's you and the count of three, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by lifting your hands. Just one hand straight up in the air and put it right back down so I can connect my faith with yours. Jesus, he died so that you can have life. If you want to be in his hands today, you want your eternity secure and you want to step into your God-given purpose, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. Here we go. Today is the day for salvation. One, two, three. That's you. Hands going up across this place. I want to receive Jesus. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Thank you. Who else? Church, would you followers of Jesus pray with those who lifted your hands? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you were broken so that I can have life. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I acknowledge that you are Christ, the son of the living God. And I choose today to give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And everybody said? Come on, church, let's sing. I am who he says I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. Come on, church, come on. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.